Hi, this is Brian from Liar City. I used to like I Doubt It with Dollamore a lot. Dollamore even took me out for a nice steak dinner once. But once we got back to his place, he got awfully handsy. The sound of his voice now fills me with terror, so there's that. You should probably just listen to Liar City instead. may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. Are you ready for episode 202 of I Doubt It with Dollamore? I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, seated directly across from my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. So I'm going to warn you that this show is interfering with my ability to eat my salad. (laughs) Why would you? And so I'm going to be sneaking (laughs) bites of my salad throughout the show. The crispiest, crunchiest <laughs> items. It's not like you have a bag of fucking marshmallows right. at your side. Well, who eats a bag of marshmallows? I have been known to, to eat, eat a bag of marshmallows. Who, who knows? All right. I've been known. There have been many times where I've, well, not many times, but there is one time where I ate <laughs> an entire box of Cheez-Its in one city. Yeah, that's Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its are amazing. One Marshmallows time, are less amazing. One time, I was playing poker mm-hmm. with a group. Okay. And this was right around Christmas time. Goody. And they had a giant bowl. A giant bowl of, of those mini candy canes. Oh, yes. That are individually wrapped yeah, candy yeah. canes. And I fucking punished that bowl. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not kidding. Oh. It, it's been a joke, a running joke, for a long time. Me just ruining that bowl of of candy canes. So you had some real fresh breath. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. While drinking whiskey, then the more whiskey that I drank, I'm sure I was putting them in the the the, the whiskey, and then they would just dissolve. So I had candy cane flavored bourbon. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that that was a tasty thing. Let's let's put it this way. I didn't win any money that night. <laughs> <laughs> my prize was my fresh breath. It's your own fault. Yeah, no kidding. So, before we get started, um, goddamn, I'm getting old. It is, it's becoming, I am, what are you doing over there? I'm putting my bowl back down because I'm realizing <laughs> that I need to talk. <laughs> um, whenever, ah, there's always this stereotype of of old people who you can't really have a conversation with some old people because all they want to talk about is their current malady. What's wrong with them health-wise? <laughs> yeah, people people of advanced age. Yeah. Bi- bias-free language. Old fuckers. <laughs> and I am I'm becoming one of those people. Uh-oh. Because we recently I'm not feeling well, so we skip an episode. Mhm. And or, or it was car issues where I'm always, oh, the car, oh, the drama with the car, you know. Well, that doesn't necessarily have to do with your body breaking down. Young people can have their car well, break down. Well, I, I was thinking, but all the different times I've been sick. We yes, don't really yes. go on and on about when I'm sick. Right, right. But I'm starting to get hurt mm-hmm. 
doing nothing. Yeah. The other, my back right now, I'll just, we'll give you the punchline up front. My back is completely fucked up right now. Yeah. It was almost a situation where you wanted to delay the show. Like, do it tomorrow. Yeah. Give yourself another day. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm, I just decided no. Because it's been two days. I mean, not completely out of commission, but you're having difficulty. Maybe the audience will understand this. Have you ever hurt your neck? To where you have to do the old Batman turn, where you can't just turn your neck, your whole shoulders and everything have to turn to look to your left or right. Right. I'm kind of in that mode right now, except it's... Crick in your neck mode. It's not just crick in the neck, though. This is... It is bizarre, seizing back pain. Yeah. Where I'm lucky to be standing, but when I am standing, it's it's though it's as though I'm I'm I've been strapped to a to a flat board and uh-huh. I'm straight up and down because that's the only way I can stand without it excruciating pain. So how did this happen though? Let's hear the story well, of how it happened. Your back seized <laughs> up is what you said, right? That, that's exactly what happened. Uh, in an alarming like muscle spasm freak out. <laughs> and I would like to, clinical. I would like to say, oh yeah, that's a medical term. I would like to say that it happened during arduous backbreaking ditch digging, you know, labor. Mm-hmm. But I was uh I was really just standing in front of the bathroom mirror uh-huh. and I had just put gel into my hand and I was going to apply it to my hair and then brush it through my hair. Strenuous. And when it seized up, you were in the other room and I or whatever noise oh. I made. Whatever crazy noise I made. And then I you came in and I was laying on the floor. Yeah. Just outside the bathroom. Yeah. With my hands up in the air because they're cov- slathered in, in hair gel and in, in product. You did look like a tomato, too. You looked like a tomato because I think you were having issues breathing or yeah. something. Oh, well, that's it. it. It seizes my that muscles around my rib cage and my back. Yeah. And I couldn't, couldn't breathe in and out correctly. And so, again... I'm not good in stressful situations, so right. <laughs> I was basically asking you what I should do. And I can't talk because I can't breathe Yeah, right. and you're just saying, well, nothing, and so I'm kind of, <laughs> okay, I'll just go over here and be panicked, I guess. But it's, I'm getting old. It's old when you're, you do nothing and well, you fuck up your back. There has to be some sort of cause to this. So like were the election results on in the background <laughs> and like they did a key race alert and they said Donald Trump winning all the states and you just, so it just you, your back just seized up it's, like it's enough. It's, it's enough. psychosomatic at this point you think <laughs> that maybe I'm stressed I'm carrying the stress of the election and it's manifesting itself through back pain. You know, at this point that seems most probable. <laughs> so Yes. Well, I don't know. I hope not because we've got months of this left. Well, you're not that old. I mean, you're not old. So there's that, right? I'm not that old. Am I also not that ugly? Well, I'm saying <laughs> you're not You're not old enough for your body to be decrepit. Well, you, you, you say that. However, uh, I'm... The Marine Corps broke me down. Okay, that's true. I, I can't hear well. Yeah. I dislocated my hip and my knee mm-hmm. in a training accident on a military motorcycle. So I'm, I'm, you know. Damaged. Just days away from getting a hip replacement on my left side. Well. 
it's <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. I'm a broken, broken man. And the the Spurs. And my goddamn Spurs. Cowboy. Yeah, it's not good. Anyway, let's <laughs> let's move on because this could turn into this really could turn into all the ways that Jesse is getting ready to die. Maybe you should eat my salad. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> Before we move on, first I'd like to to give the contact information. Maybe we'll do that after we read the beautiful note in as a gift, I guess, for our 200th episode. You guess. Of course it was a gift. Well, I don't know. It's just like a... I wanted to say thank you. It was a thank you to us. But it, because it's it was such a beautifully written card to our new P.O. box that we had to get because... Of death threats. Of death threats. <laughs> wow. How exciting. Our d- death threat... Uh, Free al- P.O. box. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Our death threat avoidance system <laughs> in the way of a P.O. box. So we 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 got we checked the mail. Our very first thing that we received mm-hmm. was a, a a greeting card addressed to I doubt it with Dollamore from a beautiful and loyal listener. Yes. So it, the card says congratulations, and it's covered in glitter. Yeah, that's the other thing. So I'm getting <laughs> a glitter bomb right now. Listen, I, I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, as it were. But if you're going to send us something, and maybe this, I shouldn't even say this because we're setting ourselves up for getting completely fucked with, don't have it be completely covered in glitter. Okay, I like the glitter, so relax. <laughs> it is. You would. Very, you would. It's, it looks nice. All right, let's read. Okay. Seriously, the emotion eliciting card. Okay. I, I've got a little tear. Okay. Jesse and Brittany, congratulations on 200 episodes. I'm sure that represents massive effort on your parts, but tons of laughs and great info for all us listeners. I realize the gift is a little weird. I will explain my logic. My first choice would have been to take you guys out for drinks and tasty snacks with my husband. But since I live too far away for that, my second choice would have been to get you a gift card to your favorite place to eat and drink. But still, I live too far away. So my third choice is for you guys to pick up some wine and tasty snacks and enjoy them on me. Sorry you have to go to the grocery store to make this happen. Thanks for all your hard work moving the conversation forward. That is awesome. And then it was accompanied by a gift card to our Trader Joe's, the place we love to go. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we talk about constantly in addition (laughs) to your many ailments. Right. So thank you so much. I don't know whether the listener would like their name revealed but we appreciate it very, very much. It really does mean a lot to me that mm-hmm. that someone was willing to give of their, as I say, our, their time and their treasure. Not just, you know, the, even the gift card, but going out and finding the card and buying the card. That is effort. That is time taken from their day. And it's time of them spent thinking of us. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's special. And it's, we both got Terry reading the card. Yeah, it's, so. it's special to me. So we appreciate it very much. Very much. If you would like to communicate with the show, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All the other contact information is on the website. Also, I would like to say something. We've gotten a few emails that were... 
several paragraphs long and what ends up happening is we don't read them on the show because they're so long. So if you feel the need to write a long email, please record a voice memo instead um, and send it to the show because seriously, I can't read several paragraphs of an email. I don't even do that with the news articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, try to minimize your point and put it in a voice memo and that would be really right. helpful. Or to really restrict yourself, call the voicemail line again, 657-464-7609 because that limits you to three minutes. Yeah, and no one wants to hear me just read something for like 10 minutes. Yeah, from, so. an, from an entertainment value perspective, it's it would be far better to hear a listener's awesome voice. Yes. And we also, listen, we get a lot of shitty voicemails too, and I don't even reveal the numbers of the shitty ones. I'm not going to out you and say where you're from or who you are. If you want to remain anonymous, it's good to go. Mm-hmm. So, let's move on. Let's get into the big show the 202nd episode of The Big Show. We have talked about in the past the the problem that exists within the United States and apparently now also Canada with faith-healing parents. These are people who refuse medical treatment for very treatable conditions for their children because, (laughs) Jesus, why else not? Well, there has been a spate of recent incidents involving these faith-healing killers, murderers, in my estimation. And we want to talk about it, because it also involves not just Canada, in one case, and Pennsylvania, in another case. It also involves Idaho, which is close to home for me, because that is my large part of my childhood was spent. I mean, I consider it my home state. I was born. I was reared for the most part there. And it hurts my heart that my the place I call home is practicing through government support the murder and exploitation of children through failing to give them proper medical attention. Let's talk about the Canadian case first. Two Mormon parents who own a nutritional supplement company are accused of letting their toddler son die from meningitis because they tried to treat him with home remedies instead of medicine. David and Colette Stefan have pled not guilty to charges that they failed to provide the necessities of life to their 19-month-old son, Ezekiel. Prosecutors in Alberta, Canada, say the couple did not call an ambulance until the boy stopped breathing and instead fed him supplements with an eyedropper and laid down with him. The wife in the couple told police that a friend told them their son had meningitis, inflammation caused by an infection of the fluids surrounding the brain and spinal cord. She said they tried to boost the boy's immune system by feeding him with olive leaf extract, whey protein, Water with maple syrup and juice with frozen berries. Well, I don't know about you, Brittany Page, but clearly maple syrup cures meningitis. I don't know whether it's bacterial meningitis or viral meningitis. They finally fed the boy who was becoming stiff and lethargic after two weeks of illness a mixture of apple cider vinegar. You know, that's like all the rage in health. Right, right. right the hippie. 
hippy-dippy, anti-vax, the essential oil people, mm-hmm. they're super into that too. Mm-hmm. Horseradish root. Yeah. Hot peppers, onion, garlic, ginger root. So a blend of all these things. The child was airlifted to a hospital after he stopped breathing and doctors removed him from life support after five days. Right. This is disgusting. At least, though, the parents have been arrested and charged with a crime. Because this is a crime. They are responsible for the health well-being and welfare of their child and they've chosen because of their nutter unsubstantiated beliefs in both apple cider vinegar and maple syrup but also jesus it's a problem so the couple is saying that they believe the government is prosecuting them to force them through the courts to vaccinate their children and he he argues that there's no evidence that his son's death would have been prevented if he had been given a vaccine so i'm not sure how he knows that uh well maybe his friend told him the same friend that home diagnosed the child mm-hmm. all right let's move on to the philadelphia case Okay, so I can't pronounce these people's last name, but their ne- last name reminds me of um, Schneble. Ned Schneebly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like Shable or something. All right. Um, a Pennsylvania mother and father who believe in faith healing were sent to jail Wednesday for causing the death of their young sick child by refusing to take him to the doctor. Now, the unfortunate situation is that this is the second child to die under their care. Uh, um, the judge, Benjamin Lerner, told the couple, you've killed two of your children, not God, not your church, not religious devotion, you. Then he sentenced them to between three and a half to seven years behind bars. They pled no contest to third degree murder in the death of their eight month old son. He died from pneumonia. Right. So again, this is a treatable condition. Right. And they did not take him in. And it seems like three and a half to seven years is pretty light for causing a second a death. A second child. Right. Right. I, listen, at least in a state like Pennsylvania, at least in whatever province it was in Canada, there are criminal charges being levied. At least that. In my home state of Idaho, that is not the case. In fact, there are legislators right now who are doing everything in their power as lawmakers in the state legislature to prevent any law to be written and passed that would hold to account these nutter butter parents. And there are many in the state of Idaho who are killing their children or at the very least, putting their lives at risk by not treating them with modern, scientifically-based medicine. Lawmakers in Idaho approved a bill that would allow Bible study in science classes and declined to change a law that shields faith-healing parents from prosecution when their children die from treatable illnesses. State Rep. John Gannon, Democrat, Boise, introduced a bill to remove the exemption in a child injury law for faith-healing parents. But State Senator Lee Hader, 
Republican, Twin Falls, head of the Senate Health and Welfare Committee, said he was never asked to set a hearing, which he had already said he wouldn't do. He said it was too late in the session to set a hearing on the faith healing bill, but he said he's not likely to support a change to state law that he believes would prosecute parents for exercising their religious beliefs. Quote, I'm a First Amendment guy, and I believe in the First Amendment, which gives people freedom of religion. He also describes himself as pro-life. So, well, obviously those things aren't congruent. Believing that that parents have the, the right under the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States to kill their children due to lack of activity. A stark and irresponsible level of inactivity by the parents. You can't pray away pneumonia. You can't pray away meningitis. Show me a study where praying something away has worked. Well, that's what the Pennsylvania parents said. They said, quote, we believe in divine healing. The Jesus shed blood, the Jesus uh, shed blood for our (laughs) healing and that he died on the cross to break the devil's power. Well, how's that working out for your two dead fucking kids, you assholes? It is very alarming. No more than seven years they've been charged with after exterminating two children. Well, and the thing is, I mean, what if they're just saying that, but, you know, they're like letting their kids die? I mean, it's... Right. Or facilitating the death of their children. Right. I mean, that Yeah. That really is what's happening, right? It's I mean, you're sickening. refusing to help the child yeah. knowing that they have a condition... That's going to kill them. That seems like a problem. And and something that deserves more than three and a half to seven years. For the first right. child, they just they were given ten years probation. And a requirement of their probation was you need to take your, your other children to the doctor if they get sick. Yeah. So they broke the terms of their probation and killed another kid, and it's three and a half to seven years. It doesn't seem L- listen, I- I'm I'm obviously someone who respects the constitution. And, and I will admit that there is, there is murky waters here related to where do the parents, where do their constitutional rights to, to at the, in the free exercise of their faith, where does that end? And then where does the, the child's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, where does that begin? I, I don't know that's where the specific mark is, but I can tell you, their rights were overprivileged here, especially in Idaho, when they won't even pass a bill. They won't even broach the topic because they believe in their hearts. There's no other way to explain it away. They believe that parents have the right to not treat their children. Parents have the right to only pray disease away from their children and allow them to die as a result. Otherwise, they would be pro-life. They would be taking up for the lives of these innocent children. It's disgusting. So, So I would say this. I would look into your state and find out what exactly the deal is with faith healing and the laws surrounding it. And get on the horn with your state legislature. 
get on the horn with your state representatives and senators and let them know that something needs to be done because I'm sure this is not just an issue in this particular province in Canada, Pennsylvania, and Idaho. I know it's been an issue in Oregon for a long time. Several cases. It's very sad. All right. Moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Let's get into what the next segment, the next, the next, uh, we got a lot, a lot to get to. Trump's on his way in, guys. Trump is on (laughs) his way in. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. As Brittany Page said prior (laughs) to the segment intro music, Donald Trump does look like he is marching toward a nomination. He might not get the number. Um, but he did, you know, as well as he was expected to do on this past Super Tuesday part de, no, no, part trois, version 3.0, right? Um, yeah, apparently every Tuesday from here on out is known as Super Tuesday. (laughs) Florida, Ohio, Illinois, North Carolina, and Missouri. And let's go through the results. He won Florida. Donald Trump won Florida by a wide margin. 46%. Marco Rubio was second with 27%. And as a result of that unfortunate result, Marco Rubio is the latest victim, the latest quitter amongst the Republican candidates. And then there were three. And then there were three. So, Ohio, John Kasich won handily. 47%. He got 80 delegates. Yeah. Winner take all. And Kasich won Ohio. Illinois. Trump won with 39%. And Cruz came in second with 30%. And North Carolina. Trump won with 40%. Cruz was in second with 37%. And Missouri. That hasn't been officially called by the New York Times. Wow. So I'm not sure why. It was real, real tight. I think the entire vote count, the difference between Trump and Cruz, was something like 3,000 votes total. So 538 said that NBC News called um, Donald Trump the, quote, apparent, it's in quotes, winner of Missouri. So I'm not sure what that means. That happened this morning. Again, this New York Times article hasn't said that. I know that Donald Trump tweeted and said he won Missouri, but right now it's showing that Trump has 41% and Cruz has 41%. Hmm. So I'm not sure what's going on. Up in the air. We'll let you know. And then on the Democrat side of things... Hillary Clinton won Florida, Illinois, North Carolina, Ohio, and Missouri hasn't been called. It also is same too, situation. Too close to call. Right now she has 50% and Sanders has 49%. Hmm. 
So we will certainly follow that up. I'm assuming they will get some details out before the next episode. But if not, either way, we'll, uh, we will keep you posted. So some of the big happenings, uh, we, we've talked about how Ben Carson with, very oddly has decided that he wanted to endorse Donald Trump. Well, in the course of your duties as uh, an endorser, you you know you make the rounds with the media. So, can I interrupt you? Yeah. Um, I just opened a specific Missouri primary results thing from New York Times. So, for some reason, it's not updated on the other one. But here, they are saying that Hillary Clinton has forty nine point six percent of the vote, and Bernie Sanders has forty nine point four. That's with. 100% reporting, so she leads by less than one point. So they're going to do a recount, probably. I'm not sure. And then for Donald Trump, he has 40.9%, and Ted Cruz has 407 So Trump leads again by less than one point there. Less than a quarter of a point on both, both races there. That's interesting. Very close. Yeah. Well, good. Thank you for that. And that's as of 11.14 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, West Coast Time, U.S., so... Maybe by the morning, they'll have something figured out. Maybe by the time you're listening to this. So anyway, like I was saying, Ben Carson, um, as, as part of the duties of, uh, of being an endorser, is you make the rounds of the media and you, you talk about the candidate. You talk about the person you endorsed. You promote them. Well, Ben Carson has been making the rounds since he endorsed Trump. And in true, sleepy, not really thinking it through terms and not really good at being a pugilist with the media, dealing with their questions, um, he's saying some dumb things and responding uh, kind of as you would expect Ben Carson to respond when questioned about the the insults that have been levied against him by Trump and why he chose to endorse him in the face of those hideous comments. I think a lot of people were surprised by your endorsement, of course, given your polar opposite temperaments, your campaign styles, your rhetoric. Uh, Mr. Trump, I don't have to remind you, has even questioned your intellect in the past and compared you once to a child molester. How can you support someone who has said such things about you? And what did your family think about your decision? Because as we know, family members tend to be very protective. Uh, they completely understand and are on board with it. You know, it's not really about me. If it were about me, yes, I would be outraged. I would say, no way can I support this. But it's not about me. It's about America. It's about our future. It's about what's going to happen to the next generations. I'm much more concerned about that than I am about me. But, but if someone like Mr. Trump can call you an acclaimed and noted neurosurgeon as someone who lacks intellect or is a child molester, doesn't that alarm you as to, to how he can portray other people in this country as well and use the same rhetoric? Well, you know, he said, you know, it was political. You know, he was concerned about the fact that he couldn't shake me. You know, I understand you know, politics, and particularly the politics of personal destruction. And you have to admit to some degree that it did work. You know, <laughs> a lot of people believed them. And when all those things were proven not to be true, you know, they just sort of forgot about it. But, you know, unfortunately, we live in a society where that kind of thing works and people use things that work. But, you know, the, so the bottom line is quo? our country is in a great deal of trouble. 
But should that become status Excuse quo? Me? Should that become status quo? Should I teach my four-year-old son that, that if he calls somebody a, a, a child molester or says they're not intelligent just because they want to, even when that's not the case, that it's okay? No, it shouldn't be status quo. But nor should status quo be always retaliating and fighting back against something like that, particularly when the person has admitted that they were doing it for political reasons and that, of course, they didn't believe that, nor does anybody else. Ugh. No, it shouldn't be status quo, but here's another thing that shouldn't be status quo. Let me, uh, I'm going to, you know, conflate two things. Well, no one was asking about the other. Mm-hmm. Is anyone satisfied with what he said there? I have no idea. I'm sure lots of Trump, lots of Trump supporters are. Yeah, he, he called you a child molester. Right. And you're good to go? You guys are buds now? It is unbelievable. Seems and weird. you think he is the caliber of man to hold the same position as Abraham Lincoln. Goddamn. Well, later he gave another interview. And, you know, he's a little loosey-goosey after the first one. Maybe he's, maybe he's a little tired here. So he's really not thinking very clearly. Well, he's always tired. You'd think he'd be used to that. <laughs> and he kind of spills the beans about that he wishes he could have endorsed someone else, but it uh, didn't, didn't really work out that way. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Now, on your support, I know why you, you explained why you supported him, why you're supporting him, but it was a 180-degree turnaround uh, for the most part. I mean, he said some nasty things uh, about you. How do you reconcile that? Uh, politics. You know, the politics of personal destruction. You know, that's nothing new. I mean, that's, that's been going around for a long period of time. But also, I, I have to look at what is practical. I, I didn't see a path for Kasich, who I like, or for Rubio, who I like. Um, as far as Cruz is concerned, I don't think that he's going to be able to draw independents and Democrats, unless he has some kind of miraculous change. Um, so I, I have to look at what is practical and what is going to save this country and the American dream for the next generation? Do you? Do you? Uh, would it, would, yeah. would I, is, is there another scenario that I would have preferred? Yes, but that scenario isn't available. Okay, with one of the other candidates, you mean? Yes. <laughs> that is awesome. So not only this, but in this same interview, he said, quote, the way I look at it, even if Donald Trump turns out to not be such a great president, which I don't think is the case, I think he's going to surround himself with really good people. But even if he didn't, we're only looking at four years as opposed to multiple generations and perhaps the loss of the American dream forever. Wow. So he is almost you know, hedging his bets, saying, well, he might be terrible, but it's only four years, guys. Well, Don't worry. It's clear he's not a man of principle. He's a man of political expedience. That is what's most important to him. He's been promised some kind of cabinet position, and he's he's hedging his bets. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's obvious to everyone. God damn. Well, listen, Trump, and here's evidence of this, but Trump isn't just a guy who, in the course of a political feud, levels insults. It doesn't matter if you're a foe or a friend, Donald Trump is an insulting cunt to even those who are his, who are his allies. There it is, guys. 
Here he is talking about the absenteeism of Governor Kasich, which is great. That's fine. That's part of the political process. But in the course of talking about the absenteeism of Governor Kasich, he brings up Chris Christie and how he, too, was an absentee governor while Chris Christie is right there. And your governor is absentee. He goes, listen to this, because I know because I was there, but I go back and I still work. You know, I have a job, right? You got to do your job. So your governor, Kasich, if you look at him, and, and I'm doing totally impartial. He goes to New Hampshire. <laughs> He's living in New Hampshire. Living. Where's Chris? Is Chris around? Even more than Chris Christie, he was there. Where's Chris? Right? Even more. I hated to do that, but I had to make my point. So to give you a visual, it is the orange-faced mook, Donald Trump, on stage, as you would see him. And he looks around. He looks stage left. He looks to his right. When he says, where's Chris? Yeah, where's Chris? Mm -hmm. And he doesn't see him. And he looks around. So he says the insult. And then someone off stage points and he's right there. He was the other way. He Chris Christie was to his left, mm -hmm. off camera, out of view. And then Trump realized, oh, shit, I got busted insulting the person who has made himself a fucking laughingstock by endorsing me. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. You got to wonder what Chris Christie was thinking in that moment. It wasn't the only time, though, that this very week, Donald Trump made a shitty, insulting comment about someone who is supporting him. Sarah Palin's husband, Todd Palin, was in a, 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 by all accounts, a terrible snowmobile accident. You'll be hearing it called a snow machine in the news. But he was, I think the situation was pretty tenuous. So bad that she has she has canceled some of the campaign events because she needed to be there with him in, his, in this time of emergency. Well, Donald Trump had this to say in the wake of Todd Palin's accident. Oh, so what I say about Second Amendment is this, okay? And you could say the same thing for California with the 14 great people that were killed. There were no bullets going in the opposite direction. If Todd Palin were in that room, frankly, if Sarah Palin were in the room, it would have been, forget about Todd, especially now, if, if Sarah Palin were in that room, but if, if somebody were in that room. Goddamn. Are you kidding me? He is shitty, even with people who are supporting him. Someone who's on their, well, maybe not their deathbed, but who's severely injured. Right. Who's in a very difficult place right now. Right. And he is making a joke about it. And, and this was fresh. I mean, this was either the next day or the day of, maybe. Right, it right, it right. was somewhere right after the accident. And right. he's already, he feels comfortable enough to make a joke like this. Right. It's just very strange. There was a speech later where he he dialed it back a little bit to try to show some sympathy for Todd because I think he realized that didn't play very well. Right. Well, yeah. it's not going to with, with that audience, which loves the Palins. Right. They, they love the, they, they love the Palins. Of course. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, this violence at his rallies topic is still out there. It's still being talked about. However, he is, he has taken that to the next level 
We have talked about on the show the fact that there very well could be a brokered or open convention by the time we get to it this summer. Trump has indicated that it's not going to be a good situation if he's not the nominee after a brokered convention. He's going as far as to threaten riots. So now you're heading into a convention. Uh, if you get to one, two, three, seven, or if you don't and you're close, you're going to be going to a convention. What is your plan to bring people together there and get many, as you know, who don't want you to get this nomination to change their minds? Because I think there's a natural healing process. Once the battle is over, once the war is over, I think there really is a natural healing process. And I've gotten along with people all my life. This is actually a little bit unusual. I've gotten along very well with people, and I think it'll happen again. And I, I believe it will. Now, if it doesn't, it doesn't. I'll go along the same path, which has obviously been an effective path. I think we'll win before getting to the convention. But I can tell you, if we didn't, and if we're 20 votes short, or if we're, if we're you know, 100 short, and we're at 1,100 and somebody else is at 500 or 400, because we're way ahead of everybody, I don't think you can say that we don't get it automatically. I think it would be, I think you'd have riots. I think you'd have riots. You know, we have, we're, I'm representing a tremendous, many, many millions of people. In many cases, first-time voters. These are people that haven't voted because they never believed in the system. They didn't like candidates, et cetera, et cetera, that are 40 and 50 and 60 years old. And they've never voted you, before. Many, many of those people, many Democrats, many independents coming in. That's what the big story is, really, Chris. I mean, the really big story is how many people are voting in these primaries. The, the numbers are astronomical. Now, if you disenfranchise those people and you say, well, I'm sorry, but you're 100 votes short, even though the next one is 500 votes short, I think you would have problems like you've never seen before. Well, I think... I think it would. I think bad things would happen. I really do. I believe that. I wouldn't lead it, but I think bad things would happen. Listen, the beautiful thing about being a sentient being, a Homo sapien, is that we have the commonality of language. We all know what he meant by this veiled threat. We know. If you don't nominate me, there will be riots. Just like he says that I will pay your legal bills if you punch a protester in the face. Those are encouraging words. Well, and I love how he says, you know, I'm not going to incite it or whatever. I'm word not going to lead it. I'm not going to lead it. But you're just planting the seed right now for it to happen. Right. You're, you're creating the idea. You're putting it in people's heads. That it's okay because he already talked. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, you're talking about it right now. You're yes. putting the message out there. So you're kind of leading it because you're starting this right now. The other thing that I that no one's really talked about is he continues to say that he's a unifier. That people love him. He can't even unify the Republican Party. Yeah. How does he expect or how does he think anyone's going to believe that he can unify an already fractured country politically? Right. He's he's never had problems like this before. Right. Right. We have endless quotes 
of him being sexist, all of these problematic things he said throughout his life. Right. And he's acting like, oh, yeah, I get along with everybody my whole life. I'm just re- I'm recently starting to have these problems. Right. Oh, really? Only since I got involved in politics. Only since you turned 69 years old, you've started having problems <laughs> with people. Otherwise, there's been no personality issues at all. Right. Well, listen, here is... Well, in a move, maybe we should have done this before the 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 riot threats from Donald Trump, but I, I want to kind of juxtapose because this 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 protesters and violence at his rallies topic isn't really going away. It actually has a little little staying power more than any other thing so far over the course of the last eight or nine months. But I want to juxtapose how Obama has dealt with protesters versus how Trump has. If you see somebody getting ready to throw a tomato, knock the crap out of them, would you? Seriously. I promise you, I will pay for the legal fees. I promise. I'm on your side, man. Sit down, guys. We'll talk about it later. I promise. All right? No, you don't have to escort them up. They'll sit down. I promise I'll talk to you afterwards. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. No, no, don't worry about it, guys. Okay, let me finish. Let me, let, let me. How about, we, these guys don't need to go. Let me finish. I respect the passion of these young people because they feel deeply about the concerns for their families. Some rough guys like we have right in here, and they started punching back. It was a beautiful thing. I mean, hey, can I just say this? All right, I've listened to you. I heard you. I heard you. I heard you. All right. Now I've been respectful. I, I let you holler. No, nobody's removing you. I've heard you, but you've got to listen to me too. All right. So, and I understand you may agree, disagree. I understand you may disagree, but uh, we've got to be able to talk honestly about these issues, all right? Oh, this is amazing. So much fun. I love it. I love it. We having a good time? USA, USA. Now, the difference between these two men other than the fact that there are two very different styles of dealing with protesters, is the fact that one is a sitting U.S. president who's acting with dignity and decorum. And the other, well, the other's Donald Trump. Now, some of the clips you heard in that are from, I'm going to play the larger clip of Obama dealing with protesters. And let me set the stage for what the video looks like. It is Obama on stage facing out, and with political rallies, they have people who are standing behind the president, or Donald Trump in in that case. Mm -hmm. And they're facing the same direction as the president, who has a podium, and he's looking out at the crowd. When behind him, someone starts yelling, and yelling, and yelling, and that is when Obama turns, and that's why the, the mic, you, he kind of fades away a little bit. But he turns to address the protester, and off of camera, 
Secret Service people go to remove the person, get them out of there, and you hear Obama say, no, 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 guys, no, let him stay. Let's, let's deal with this as a noble statesman, not as a loudmouth, riot-threatening freak. And most importantly, we will live up, most importantly, we will live up, most, most importantly, we will live up to our character as a nation. That's, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. That's why we're here. That is. What we're trying. Actually, I don't. And that's why we're here. Okay. Thank you. All right. What I'd like to do. No, no, don't worry about it, guys. Okay, let me finish. Let me, let, let me. How about, we, these guys don't need to go. Let me finish. No, no, no. Let, 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 you, can, you can stay there. Let, 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 let me. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So, you know, I, I respect the passion of these young people because they feel deeply about the concerns for their families. Now, what you need to know when I'm speaking as President of the United States and I come to this community is that if, in fact, I could solve all these problems without passing laws in Congress, then I would do so. But we're also a nation of laws. That's part of our tradition. And so the easy way out is to try to yell and pretend like I can do something by violating our laws. And what I'm proposing is the harder path, which is to use our democratic processes to achieve the same goal that you want to achieve. But it won't be as easy as just shouting. It requires us lobbying and getting it done. Pretty great. Yeah, it was awesome. Whether or not you disagree with what was said, it's not about the content. It's about how he dealt with hecklers, mm -hmm. people disrupting his event. The people. That's right. How he's dealing with the people. That's right. And listen, the reason we bring this up is because we've had many conversations outside of the show with people who who purport to be clear-thinking individuals, thoughtful individuals who are, are are coming up and saying that that Donald Trump is is handling this no other way to do it. That these protesters shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. That he has paid for these rallies and he has a right to be a fucking fascist. Mhm. Mm it's bizarre to me. Right. Well, and, and the reason I was emphasizing the people is that Donald Trump isn't just going to be representing his supporters. Right. He's representing the country. That's right. All of the people. He's representing those people that are there to protest. Well, is this what we want in a president, in a servant of we the people just throwing protesters out? Or when is he going to start acting presidential? Right. When is he going to start acting like... 
someone who's in the United States government. Because right now he's acting like, well, once I get into the White House, things will change. Right. Well, I don't have faith in the man to do that. Yeah. What do you mean once you get to the White House, you'll start acting presidential? We've seen your character. Yeah. And that scares me. Ugh. Well, going forward, he's going to have a problem if indeed he does, if if the country avoids the riots and he gets the nomination and it's a head-to-head race against him or Bernie Sanders, he's going to have a problem. Right now, there's a, a conservative pack that is running ads. I saw one on CNN several times this week, and it is women reading quotes from Donald Trump, and let me tell you, it's powerful. Bimbo, dog, fat pig. Real quotes from Donald Trump about women. A person who is very flat-chested is very hard to be a 10. I'd look her right in that fat, ugly face of hers. Look at that face. Would anyone vote for that? She had the height. She had the beauty. She was crazy. But these are minor details. I like kids. I mean... I won't do anything to take care of them. I'll supply funds, and she'll take care of the kids. You know, it really doesn't matter what they write, as long as you've got a young and beautiful piece of That must be a pretty picture. You dropping to your knees. There was blood coming out of her eyes. Blood coming out of her... wherever. Women. You have to treat them like This is how Donald Trump talks about our mothers, our sisters, our daughters. If you believe America deserves better, vote against Donald Trump. Our Principles Pack is responsible for the content of this advertising. So to add a new one in there, um, Donald Trump has reignited his feud with Megyn Kelly. Right. And he is now calling her Crazy Megyn. Just like how he, you know, says Lying Ted, Little Little Marco. Little Marco, right. It's now Crazy Megan. Right. And he's tweeted at least three times about how she's crazy. And this is someone who even people who claim to not be supporting Donald Trump defend. They, they're defending a man who wants to have George Washington's job, who's acting like a complete asshole. Yeah, I mean, so he's talking like this about women and then also tweeting about journalists like this. Right. I mean, can you imagine he's president of the United States, he's sitting in the White House, he's watching Fox News, and he's tweeting about journalists being crazy? Right. Well, if you do you really think the, the tweets are going to stop once he's president? Of course not. I mean, this is... It's so strange. Uh, I, it's so strange. Yeah. All right, let's, let's move on. We're running short of time here. Um, We've talked in the past about uh, Scalia's death and how there is an opening, there is a vacancy on the highest court in the land, the Supreme Court of these United States, and the fact that the Senate, the Republicans who are in charge of the Senate, are refusing to give anyone who was nominated a fair shake and an up-and-down vote, or even hearings in the Judiciary uh, Committee. Well, today... President Obama made his choice, his first choice in what could be a protracted um, process. And the man's name is Merrick Garland. He's 63 years old. He is the chief judge of the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. He's from Chicago. 
He went to Harvard and Harvard Law School, and he is apparently very, very well respected as well as um, he appears to be a moderate. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say that. I'd say he's left-leaning, certainly. Uh, He disagreed with the Heller ruling, which dealt with gun control, uh, specifically related to the the District of Columbia, but... uh, he is no Ruth Bader Ginsburg, let's just say that. Right, so he's moderate compared to someone that Obama could have selected. Yeah, absolutely. How about that? Absolutely, yeah. So we will see the the Senate is still holding up and promising that they are not going to even give him a hearing, but certain individual senators have agreed to meet with him privately. I don't know what that means. My guess is it doesn't matter what they decide to do. It doesn't even matter if Chuck Grassley who is the the Senate Judiciary Chairman, Um, he has agreed to meet with him, but he still has to go through hearings with the Judiciary Committee before it would go to an open, full vote on the floor of the Senate. So it's not looking good. He may just be a sacrificial lamb um, as a choice. Kind of a bummer, but, you know, it is a constitutional duty of the president to nominate, and it is... uh, Part and parcel with it, it's a constitutional duty to have that pick be uh, approved by the Senate. And he cried during his speech thanking President Obama, which made me just immediately like him. Right. So (laughs) I think he should be the next uh, Scalia. Brittany likes the criers. (laughs) All right, let's move out of this and let's, let's talk about a threat before we wrap here. Um, North Korea is starting to amp up the nuttiness just a little bit. North Korea is threatening to hit the United States and South Korea with nuclear weapons at any moment. A statement from the North Korean government warned of a, quote, preemptive nuclear strike of justice, unquote. <laughs> State Department officials say the U.S. takes that threat seriously, and it's calling for Lil' Kim, the North Korean dictator, to cool it already. Lil Kim. This comes as more than 300,000 South Korean and U.S. troops today began annual military drills. Commanders say this year's war games will be the largest ever. Last week, the South Koreans said North Korea launched six projectiles, possibly missiles, into the sea. Greg Palcott with more on this. What else are we hearing from the U.S. and North Korea, Greg? Uh, Shep, that's right. North Korea again making some pretty hefty threats. At least this time around, they have something to respond to. Along with all those troops, Shep, we're looking at uh, the U.S. rolling out heavy military hardware, tanks and artillery, B-2 bombers, even a nuclear-powered submarine. Now, while these and past exercises have been described as defensive, what probably got the, the bells ringing in Pyongyang is one drill in which special force teams practice what are called decapitation raids aimed at wiping out North Korea's leadership. What's happening including, to this guy? Including, yes, young leader Kim Jong-un. Cue the threats. North Korea went on to say it will target with nuclear weapons U.S. bases in South Korea and Southeast Asia in the U.S. mainland. One more quote, Shep. We can bombard the U.S. any way we want. That's what they said. He's been a big talker from the beginning, that guy. Is there there any thought that this might be real? (laughs) I mean, the line I'm getting, uh, Shep, from the experts I talked to in South Korea is 
not to worry, but yes, to be quite cautious. I mean, what they say is that North Korea is a long way from being a serious nuclear threat to the U.S. There's no sign yet that they've mastered how to miniaturize a warhead to get a weapon back to Earth safely, to, to target the missile correctly. But as they continue to do these tests, they get more and more dangerous. And even now, it is thought, they can at the very least put a crude nuclear bomb on a short-range missile or even in a plane to dump out of the plane and aim it at U.S. targets. Uh, the threats at the very least, Shep, very important for Kim. Back to you. So the threats are actually getting more specific. That's and, right. And after this, North Korea claimed that it could wipe out Manhattan by sending a hydrogen bomb on a ballistic missile to the heart of New York City. I don't believe they have the capability of an intercontinental ballistic missile um, that could carry a hydrogen warhead. I don't think they're there. Technically, they're not there yet. But certainly, as Palcott said, if they fly a, you know, a private plane, some crazy devotee just pushes the bomb out and, and lands, that, that could be a problem. And Manhattan would certainly be... A hydrogen bomb has a massive, a massive uh, destruction radius. The Democratic People's Republic of Korea actually released a statement and they said our hydrogen bomb is much bigger than the one developed by the Soviet Union. If this H-bomb were to be mounted on an intercontinental ballistic missile and fall on Manhattan in New York City, all the people there would be killed immediately and the city would burn down to ashes. They're so crazy. So, in in show of force, Lil Kim, Lil Kim, <laughs> Shep. Um, there is a, a a college student at the University of Virginia who has been arrested. This is just happening over the last couple days. He's been arrested and sentenced already to fifteen years hard labor. He's in a tough bind right now. Wyoming native Otto Warmbier has been sentenced to 15 years of hard labor in a North Korean prison camp after the college student's so-called confession. I understand the severity of my crime. That crime allegedly trying to steal a political banner from his hotel in Pyongyang. Warmbier was in North Korea as part of an adventure tour organized by a Chinese travel company. Laura Neek, a professor of political science at Miami University, says something else is going on. This sentencing has very little to do with the student. It's really about solidifying the regime at home and then standing up to people abroad, especially given recently stepped up sanctions at the U.N. against North Korea. In a statement issued Wednesday, Governor Kasich says North Korea should immediately release Otto Warmbier and let him return to his family here in Ohio. His detention was completely unjustified, and the sentence North Korea imposed on him is an affront to concepts of justice. NIAC says Warmbier's release won't work with more sanctions. I don't think that pressure being brought to bear on North Korea works very well. She's hopeful former U.N. Ambassador and New Mexico Governor Bill Richardson may have better luck flying under the radar. People who are not official U.S. representatives, they probably have clear paths in to talk. Scott Wegener, 9 on your side, Cincinnati. So where is Dennis Rodman when you need him? <laughs> right? Send him on in. His best friend for life. That's right. That is how he described him, his best friend for life. Mm-hmm. Um... 
let's get it out of the way. I feel bad for this kid. Yeah, that's that's a bummer. It's a bummer. He's in a bummer situation. Yeah. But, uh... What are you doing in North Korea? What in the fuck are you doing in North Korea there, Otto Warm Beer? Also, why are you causing problems of course you know 15 years hard labor for stealing a banner is absurd but you're in north korea and that's the kind of shit they do right why are you in north korea why 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 you're on a a super adventure tour i know this is this is the kind of adventure they have there they know you're american you checked in you got into the country using a u.s passport you don't think they're following you and have government agents all around spying your every fucking move this is seriously the kind of adventure that i hope he was expecting because this is what happens i mean i would be so terrified to be anywhere near north korea Right. Why would you go there on an quote unquote adventure tour? It's, you think you're safe because you're on a tour? It's ridiculous. You're not. And the court that he, it was like the highest court, the Supreme Court of North Korea that convicted him. And it took an hour. Mm-hmm. And in the course of that, he gave his full confession. It's a kangaroo court. It's complete and utter bullshit. Mm-hmm. I want to play like the last three minutes or so of his begging... For mercy, throwing himself on the mercy of the people of North Korea and the officials within the court and the government. And you'd have to watch this 30-minute video of him giving his, his, uh, his explanation and his, his confession to see that this was written for him. And he is acting. When you hear him seemingly crying and being very emotional... It is being put on. This guy is not crying. Well, and even when he walks into court, he's almost marching with his arms, you know, not moving at his side. And his head is completely down to where his chin is touching his chest. Everything is exaggerated. His movements are exaggerated. Everything is exaggerated. Very weird. Check this out. Once again, I want to beg for forgiveness. Please. People and government of the DPR Korea, I beg that you see how I was used and manipulated. Please, act to save me. Save my life. Please, do not only think of me. Please forgive me for my family. I am the oldest son in my family. Totally fake. My mother needs me. My father needs me. My younger brother and my younger sister need me. I have made the single worst decision of my life. But I am only human. I beg that you consider that. And I beg that you find it in your hearts to give me forgiveness and allow me to return home to my family. Totally fake. <laughs> I mean, it's sad. It's very sad. Why are you laughing? Well, I also beg that journalists accurately and objectively report my story and provide help of any kind. Thank you all for giving me this opportunity. No, see, no crying now. Back to normal. After this press conference, my family will come to know about my current situation. 
I am very worried that they may be harmed. And, like I was manipulated by the United States administration, I am worried that they may be threatened or harmed by those from the government. That's the other thing he does constantly. He says the United States administration a lot of times. That's not some. Who says the United States administration, not the Obama administration? Well, it sounds like he's also saying he was manipulated by the United States government right. they to g- steal this banner. They gave him a script to read. Why in the fiddling fuckhole <laughs> would the CIA or the Obama administration want some random banner in some hotel? Yeah, and wouldn't they Do send they not- Dennis Rodman to get it? Well, we, we have printing presses. Here, they could just go down to a Fast Signs or a Kinko's and have (laughs) one made. We don't need to steal one out of your shitty, dank little hotel. I beg for any kind of public protection for my family. One final time, people and government of the DPR Korea, I beg for forgiveness. I never should have allowed myself to be allured by the United States administration to commit a crime in this country. I wish that the United States administration never manipulate people like myself in the future to commit crimes against foreign countries. I entirely beg you, people and government of the DPR Korea, For your forgiveness, please, I have made the worst mistake of my life. Please, think of my family. Why did you go to North Korea, ding dong? This is so uncomfortable to listen to. (laughs) It's making me very upset. Ugh. Well... We would love to hear what you think about this or anything else we've talked about so far. <laughs> leaving it on such a high no, note. No, no, no. We're not leaving it. We've got one more thing. Right, right. 657-464-7609. One more time. Why don't you say the number once? 657-464-7609. Wow. I might have to isolate that. That was really... It was real good. Really mediocre. <gasps> Or you could email a voice memo through your smartphone you. to idoubted at dollamore.com. Everybody, good times had by all. <laughs> Whack it more than zoo. <laughs> well, here's the next story coming up at you. Oh, God. Yeah, I can, I'm not going to do that. Oh, can I say one more thing before we do this? Yes. Oh, never mind. Go ahead. What? Yeah, I'll wait till the very end. It's the asshole of today. So, in an effort, apparently, to paint my home state as some kind of a crazed, maniac-filled refuge, an Idaho sheriff has apparently said that, uh, yeah, most reported rapes are actually consensual sex. Bingham County Sheriff Craig Rowland was reacting to a proposed bill HB 528, which would create what Rep. Melissa Wintrow, who introduced the bill, describes as, quote, a minimal standard for rape kits. 
It requires that the Idaho State Police Forensic Services Laboratory test all of them, create a new timeline for how long the police have to send and test them, and set up a victim notification service so that survivors know where their kit has gone and what's happening to it. Rational, reasonable legislation. Sounds like... A, a great thing to do. Absolutely. Especially with the very problematic untest number of untested rape kits in many different cities all over the country. Right. But that's unnecessary, according to Chef Roland, since people are probably lying. Is he a chef or a sheriff? Did I call him a chef? I called him Chef Roland. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, do I know a Chef Roland? Sounds okay. like he's cooking up the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I set you up perfectly for that. Okay. <laughs> Um, He said, quote, I really believe the legislature needs to take a strong look at allowing law enforcement to do their job and not try to dictate what we do. I think they're trying to help. I really do. They need to let us decide if we're going to send the kit and when we send the kits in, because the majority of our rapes, not to say that we don't have rapes, we do, but the majority of our rapes that are called in are actually consensual sex. Wow. Goddamn. So, Craig Rowland, everybody. So, my question here is how does he determine that? Is he the one determining that? And how does that happen? He went on to say that after interviewing an alleged rape victim, police often find it was not actually rape. Things just went too far and someone got scared, quote unquote. Things went too far. That means rape. So he gave an example of a hypothetical 17-year-old girl who wasn't raped but had, quote, consensual sex with her boyfriend and then decided to call the cops instead of telling her parents she'd had sex. Um, not sure how that is a good hypothetical situation that makes a lot of sense. Right. Uh, kind of still confused, still confused. Well, listen, he is clearly a, a deserving recipient of Asshole of Today, if you'd like to contact the venerable sheriff, he can be reached at 501 North Maple, number 405, Blackfoot, Idaho, 83221. Or if you'd like a more instant access to contacting him, you can call 208-785-4440. Once again, that number for Sheriff Craig T. Rowland is 208-785-4440. Goddamn. So the woman who introduced this bill said that his remarks are harmful to women. Quote, many times people are focused on a women's behavior and the victim's response. When we should be thinking about what we are teaching men in this society, what are we teaching young boys and men about how we should not initiate or cross any physical boundary without consent? True words haven't been spoken. Awesome. See, not all people in Idaho are nutter butters. She's clearly thinking about things rationally. Yes, and I know Bingham County because 
I know the first uh, like eight counties of Idaho <laughs> from my song that from, I learned in Idaho song. history. Yeah. But okay, so the one thing that I wanted to say was that um, the next debate was going to be the 21st, but it has been canceled. It was going to be a Fox News GOP debate, and Donald Trump said he would not be attending. And shortly after Donald Trump said he would not be attending, uh, John Kasich said he won't be attending. So they decided to cancel it because then they would basically just be interviewing Ted yeah, Cruz. Yeah, well, then, then it's a town hall with just Ted Cruz. <laughs> right. So no debate is scheduled so far. We'll wait to see when the next one is. All right. Well, with that, we are going to leave you. Thank you for joining us this episode and every episode. We appreciate you guys very, very much. You mean the world to us. You're helping us move the conversation forward by participating and just by listening. Again, if you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week, you can go to the website, dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a support the show link. There you will find all kind, all kind of different ways to help us out. So we'll see you. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. He called you a child molester. You're good to go? You guys are buds now? 